we just redo that entire thing? Got yeah. to record. There is no recording. Yeah, but it's just live. It's live. It's just chaos, absolute chaos. David would feel right at home. Hello and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the TCAPS Loop Podcast. My name is Larry Burden, and today I'm joined by TCAPS own Mentat, the technologist, David Noller. Nice, so Dave, by the way. <laughs> you're welcome. I was going to call you uh, 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 Muad'Dib, but I don't think that would uh, no, no, apply. No. Yeah, we don't want to go there. Uh, David, so before we introduce our very special guest, we must move past our fear and awaken our minds to this week's TCAP's Loop, Moment of Zen. The mystery of life isn't a problem to solve, but a reality to experience. Frank Herbert from Dune. Let's not hold on to the mystery any longer. Who's joining us today on the pod, David? Uh, this is Mitch Heathus, who uh, I worked with last summer and who I've known for quite a while, actually. And uh, Mitch and I and a bunch of other people were involved in a project developing our own resources for credit recovery and for some other purposes uh, for students in TCAPs so we could be more intentional and be more in line with our own uh, things like our scope and sequence and our standards uh, to, to help those kids get from point A to point B in a way that that made more sense. Uh, and Mitch was the coordinator of that whole prog- program, and he can probably define it even better than I just attempted to, maybe poorly. The stage is yours. Well, appreciate that. It's an honor to be here. Appreciate it, uh, the invite. The whole the whole goal has, hasn't changed over every summer of what we're trying to do in credit recovery. Um, we, are, we are trying to get kids a guaranteed and viable curriculum. We're trying to make sure that they're, they're learning the same content, and um, it's in a time and a pace that's actually possible for us. Um, just last year was a little more uh, intense. With COVID happening, we had more failures. We had students that needed more support. And as a result of that, we, we just kind of thought through how can we make it more streamlined? How can we actually make it more aligned to our curriculum? And so once we had a platform for as Brightspace, we were actually able to create something that was aligned to what we're doing in the classroom. So a student can leave a room have missed a couple topics and we can actually support those topics directly rather than grabbing a program that's off the shelf that may not uh, same standards but not the same alignment and so it's harder for us to kind of fit a student into that that hole i told you he'd do it better (laughs) that sounded pretty good yeah how did the the pandemic affect student success and or participation as you said it seemed like there was more student participation or there needed to be more student participation just because the of the the environment that we're under. Um, how did that affect what you were doing for credit recovery? So I think as, as teachers, we kind of have this idea that, and we know this, having spent time with kids, the best place for a student to be is in the classroom with a teacher that cares for them. Um, so when we have that disconnect, we have those moments of being remote, we have uh, online classes um, that isn't as apparent and we aren't able to see them every day and support them. And so as a result, we get less results. We get students that struggle. We get students that we can't pull back in um, and support them. There's so many conversations that happen during the day of little pushes to get students back on track that we're unable to do when we're in the online online world. And so we we did have more students that struggled in classes that um, weren't able to attend. There's so many supports that exist at a school that that keeps students on track that just were no longer there. And so our, our, our need to recover credits got higher. And so there was a need to expand that program. To, to help more kids. 
I think there was too a an issue with uh, some students who missed school through no fault of their own, through no illness of their own, but they got caught up in those um, quarantining rules uh, a couple times. And some kids missed a lot more time than others and um, had multiple quarantine sessions. And like Mitch was saying, when they're, we can say, here's the work you need to do, but without that daily contact, without that face-to-face contact and the relationship that happens in the classroom, it's tough to just tell a kid, Hey, just, do these assignments and submit it to me on Brightspace or email me. That becomes a, a tough ask for kids that are not in class for uh, 10 days and then another 10 days and then maybe another 10 days. Um, so, well, and you know how that anxiety can kind of mount up. You know, you, you miss one week of work. Okay, maybe I can recover that. You miss two. Suddenly that becomes a little more insurmountable. Sure. And, and, and then the desire to actually, you know, get back is is decreased significantly so you know it's, it's so cool that you guys have worked on giving them a tangible way out you made a good point about just uh, adults in the same mindset we, we get anxious when we're behind in work and uh, we get frustrated and there's so much work it takes to to be organized and to make sure you're, you're hitting priorities and getting things done by a deadline and so you put that on a you know a 14 year old kid and those skills aren't there yet. We haven't developed those. And so it's just not setting up for the same level of success that happens in a classroom. What were the things that made you think, okay, some changes need to be made? The biggest idea is the success rate of online classes we know aren't great. Um, when we can pull that data from other schools that are doing that, a lot of them are private, and so it's hard to pull that data. Um, but our graduation rates on an online school is, is around 50%. Um, so that, that number is not good. We know that's not the best way for kids to learn. Um, there's, that's kind of the piece we know that something needs to change. Something needs to be better than that number. Um, so we're running through how do we operate a class online. We're thinking through how do we offer really more support? How do we offer some things that look like a classroom? And so we, the biggest hurdles for online classes, there's, there's a list of them. Um, one of them is technology. If a student hits a roadblock when they're running through a course, and they're unable to move forward or unable to sign in, a lot of times it's enough to shut down a student. So teachers become tech support. When the student is struggling in content, they hit another wall. If a teacher's not there to push them forward and offer support there, they can shut down and quit there. And so it's trying to get through all these obstacles and hurdles that come from online learning and making sure there's, there's really a person in place or a system in place that can get them to the next level, the next step, so they're not stuck on something. It can actually finish and be successful. When we looked at how we could change the process when when we have our own developed courses and we're using it within our own system brightspace for example and a kid runs into a technical issue we can solve that now or if it's a if it's something that we developed if it's an assignment or a unit or whatever that we developed we can respond to those questions now whereas in a um, like in a purchase system that tech support might have to happen after you submit an email or a support ticket, and then you're waiting around to find out what the solution is. And by, by having these courses developed here by our own people, that support is just so much closer to the student because I can get in and look at the problem in Brightspace, or I can get in and look at the confusion that the student might be having because I know what the content, and in some cases I created that content. Um, and, and I can respond to uh, that student's needs 
much more uh, quickly, more efficiently, and just simply better. When you talk about creating your own content, you know, we've, we've experienced that in, in a district, a large district like ours. And sometimes it can be a little bit like, you know, using the term herding cats, everybody's doing their own thing. It's not aligned to anything, but gosh darn it, it's what the teacher really wanted to do. And oftentimes that leads to a great deal of engagement from the students, but it doesn't necessarily connect to what the, what the educational system is trying to do in supporting the students. It sounds like you guys have worked on doing both. Something like a scope and sequence where uh, I know exactly what is expected to be uh, learned during 11th grade first semester. I've got a scope and a sequence. I've got a list of skills. I've got a list of performance needs for that student to be able to demonstrate. So I don't play around with that stuff. Those are the things that the students need to do. We can get them to perform those uh, skills and to, and to do those things. We can customize it, of course, and we can we can make it engaging by bringing our own expertise and um, our preferences and whatever into that course. But I really had the intent um, to keep it focused on our scope and sequence and on our standards so that even if it's Noller's 11th grade language arts course, it would be something that would count and and be acceptable in terms of earning credit in anybody's 11th grade language arts course in TCAPS. That's one of the pieces we kind of looked through and they, exactly what we're talking through is we've done the, the groundwork in our courses, look at standards and look at uh, vertical alignment and make sure our courses have a clear outline of what a, a, a ELA 11 course should be or an algebra one course should be. Um, so those, those things are set. What's that? That's what we like, a tight idea that we're all holding on to. And I'll, I'll fight you about it. Like that, that holds true. Where other things are loose. So the, the loose parts become, how is that delivered? Or uh, you know, if we have a book that we can choose from that we have three or four we can pick, the teacher can can offer some of those and, and kind of influence what happens in the classroom that way. Um, so just kind of recognizing that standards and curriculum and what's taught in the classroom all have a little bit of variety to them. Standards are what's set by the state. Our alignment is, is done by the district. We work together as teachers to say, how is that standard going to play out? And then we have curriculum, which could be our textbook that we try to fit into that. Um, and we can use that in our what makes sense in our classroom with our students. What tools made this possible? It seems like this is like a, a, there, a I'll be honest, a bit of a no-brainer. You know, if you're trying to get students to you know, do some credit recovery, you should probably have it aligned. Why was it accessible, I guess, now? We, we had some technology changes. We, we, we have a learning management system now that allows us to actually put all this in one place and be organized with it. Um, it allows us to offer feedback to students. Like Google Classroom was, it was a great tool. It allowed us to house some information, but it really wasn't allow us to build an entire curriculum. So once the tool was in place, it allowed us to actually uh, populate that, to start looking at how do we use this on a regular basis and how do we support students with this new system. Brightspace really allowed us the opportunity to uh, more effectively track students' progress and needs. Uh, whereas like a Google Classroom setup, you'd have to be a co-teacher added to every single other teacher's <laughs> page to really get in and look at it. And even then you couldn't get into the student work because it was behind the Google password wall. Uh, with Brightspace and with Brightspace assignments, you know, depending on the, the role that you have, you have a lot more access to, um, to get in and see how the student is doing, to see their progress, to see their work. 
and provide even some support, even if you're not the teacher, to provide support to that student. Uh, that would be additional to just feedback on an assignment. That would be maybe even moral support, maybe even just uh, an instructional nudge <laughs> or a um, or just a meeting to, to check in. But because we have that system set up, those other stakeholders, those counselors or special ed teachers or principals or coordinators can go in and view that progress and be able to provide that support. You know, I'm really surprised at this, David. I, I never realized that our Google Apps for Education environment or Google environment, especially Classroom, almost created more silos to, uh, on some levels, or at least it, it didn't it didn't open up the classroom as much as we were hoping. It sounds like this, you know, the, the LMS type of environment does do that. It really allows the teachers to collaborate more. Google Classroom is always a bit siloed per teacher, unless you really wanted to add other people to it and have co-teachers looking on. We had Google as our primary. We'd, we'd set up drives that we could share with, um, but actual the actual classroom itself is pretty siloed. And, and Brightspace has, has some great features for collaboration, but there are, like David was saying, some things that could be opened up that we could actually have better collaboration with and share assessments and share some of our documents between each other that we're looking for. So the, the key component is an LMS. Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be a given one, um, but to have that ability to collaborate was one of the things I was most excited about for, for our online platform. How much fun was it for you guys to go through that creative process? To me, as, as, as a creative, I'm looking at this as what a fun design possibility for you guys to be able to go in and kind of get your hands dirty and and make something that will help students it was quite the challenge i'm trying to remember the phrase that mitch used about me at the end of the summer something about being a cooperative pragmatist because i would always be like okay what do i have to do what are my timelines when do you need this by I'm very pragmatic in that way. But, you know, looking at trying to create something that is a essentially a credit recovery for a semester where I can deliver enough content and have the student demonstrate enough of those skills in a way where I, as a teacher who has sta high standards myself about kids demonstrating that stuff and, and be able to say at the end of the course, okay, this kid, he gets to earn that credit for that semester. Finding that balance was an interesting challenge. And I can't tell you how much time I spent with another teacher where we would just talk. It wasn't even about putting things together or designing or whatever. We just talked about, should we do this? Should we do that? How much time should we expect this to take? Is this something that we would consider critical content? And those conversations were important and they took a while and they would happen over Coffee and donuts. It was something that was on our mind all summer until the project was done because we felt like it was so important and we felt like it was something we needed to do really well. I feel like I missed out on some of it because as a director role, you can't you can't get in as, as, as much as you want to in some of those conversations, but it did create the environment. I wanted to create an environment where teachers collaborated. The goal was to make sure two people working on a course so they could have those conversations and they weren't siloed in the process. I know a lot of teachers reached out to other ones just to say, like, what, what are you doing in classroom and how does that align and how can we make this better? Um, I think that's always the case. My best professional development I've always had as a teacher has been putting teachers in a room with a set goal with the right resources so they can talk it out. The term I used was altruistic pragmatist. Altruistic <laughs> pragmatist. There it is. <laughs> it was uh, not what I had to do. That's it. It's all I'm doing. And then a student comes up and there's a need and he's like, 
I'll help that student. Absolutely. Anytime. <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer agent of chaos, but yeah, well, that's, <laughs> those two things are not exclusive. That's fair. It's more I can move from one into the next. I was going to say, you're confusing the branding. That's the goal of an agent of chaos. This is, <laughs> this is true. It wraps around itself. Did you find this successful? Not not just in the fact that, because I agree with you, Mitchell. This is, I mean, if you get two teachers talking, that's just, it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to see the sparks fly um, in a positive way and the energy that's created. I think that's, you know, inevitably when those teachers leave the room, they're inspired and ready to bring whatever ideas they had into the classroom. So the fact that you created that environment is awesome. What did you see as a result? So it comes down to student learning. That's, that's always our goal. That students are, are learning more, that they're recovering their credits, that they're engaged in the process. The result of this is we, we normally have Summer Academy running around 100 students. We saw 240 show up uh, for Summer Academy this round. And it may be helpful, it's kind of like to frame this out. This is students taking four to six weeks of their summer, four hours a day, Monday through Thursday, to come in and uh, get support. They can do it remotely. Or with the hybrid model for us, allows teachers to actually offer face-to-face support for four hours a day. So they can come in and get additional seat time and ask questions and see their teachers, um, which is really helpful, which is a huge component that doesn't exist in most online programs. So that was a big piece of that. And then we saw them taking over 400 courses. So some students took more than one course. Um, and this was all provided through a grant through the state to help out with the COVID aftermath. It was a huge increase in what we used for numbers. So we had more students take more courses and get more credits than we have had in any other year. And that should be a temporary metric. That shouldn't be like the goal forever. But there was there was a reason for that after the pandemic that we had more credits to recover. The goal in the future years would be to have less of a need for those to be recovered. Do you see what you learned through this process being helpful in school year, I guess, learning for students, you know, as far as making sure, as you were saying, you're not having to have as many students in credit recovery? That's been some of the talk about creating this was now that we have these modules created for every course that we can say, you know, we're we're taking an algebra course and you have a hard time with, with linear functions. And so with this module now created in Brightspace, um, some teachers are talking about the idea of if a student failed that unit, let's just open that unit back up for them, do some remediation on the fly with that student so they can start filling in gaps during the school year rather than jumping into a, a summer academy or doing an online class in tandem with their normal classes. It can be used as, as just-in-time instruction now that we have it created. I think credit recovery is kind of an interesting thing as far as gathering data from what our students are struggling with. Are you getting any like, oh, there's this this aspect of this course that it seems like students are are needing remediation on or help with and then potentially bringing that back into the classroom during the school year? If you're seeing it, are you able to track those type of trends? Yeah, that's my teacher hat. Absolutely. We, we do it all the time, um, which is the current conversation with a lot of our teacher collaborative routines right now is we collect some data on students. We see where they're at. We see their growth over time. We set our goals and we can see that they aren't meeting these goals and how do we actually support those students that are struggling? How do we extend students that do have it mastered? And that's a, a, a constant conversation in each of our courses. Um, but to, I couldn't generalize it because it's per course. There's a there's kind of these, these roadblocks that we hit in every course. We go, this is the toughest part and we know it. How do we support that? And how do we help students through those? But I don't think this platform itself creates that environment. That's That's a teacher doing what teachers do. 
Yeah, I would say that's true. The platform can give us some details about participation, engagement, time on task, those kinds of things. It can't really tell us what a kid is good or bad at, if that's how we want to express that. But that's, again, where the teacher comes in and is able to interpret the results and, and look for those trends and is, is able to use their professionalism to address those needs. It kind of goes back to that MyKip discussion that we were talking about in the last uh, pod we had, John, as Absolutely. far as the, yeah, the, the, the teacher being recognizing the whole child and then building their practice off of that. Yes. One of the questions that you had was, did the students prefer this or were they, um, did they get better results? with uh, these courses versus Edgenuity or some of the other courses, course structures that you had for credit recovery? I think what, what students value is, is that they feel supported by a teacher. Um, they feel like there has someone who they can, they can be successful, that there is someone that's behind them. And so a lot of students didn't take, you know, one Edgenuity course and, and one Brightspace course and they could compare those two the whole key for us is they felt supported in the process. And that's what Summer Academy has been trying to create is that we have an online class, but we're here to help you. We want to make sure that you're supporting, you know what's going on. I think Brightspace created an opportunity for us to have clear communication. I think it created an opportunity for us to be more supportive and provide quicker feedback was, was part of the, the things we're looking towards. Some of the things that, that Dave was kind of talking through of with us behind the scenes and us controlling that software, um, we're allowed to actually kind of curb that towards that student. Um, so that that was the win for us. I, I wouldn't. I also wouldn't put all my eggs in one basket, saying like, "There's only one system that allows this to happen," or "This was a cure-all for all things." Education has a habit of doing that, of finding something new and shiny and saying it's going to fix everything, and it it, it doesn't. We we go back to some fundamentals on we want to make sure it's a guaranteed viable curriculum, make sure that teachers are in place and there to support students, and and those are the things that that must be consistent. No matter how do we do that better. One of the big benefits, and Mitch has already talked about it a little bit, maybe a lot, and it's just that personal connection with the students. We even had situations where we already know this student from being in our class. We already know his strengths and weaknesses. We already know that we're going to need to modify either the instructions or the assignment or the outcome that we're expecting for this student to be able to demonstrate his learning in a way that's satisfactory. And we have the capacity to do that because we already know the kid. Those are some of my favorite conversations. A teacher knows a student and is thinking through, this is what this student needs. This is their next step. This is what's what's good for them. Um, because every conversation with a student is is different. I got some students that um, I want to support and encourage and, and be gentle with. And I have others that will say, you can't do this because they have the personality that says, watch me. And <laughs> But that, that conversation is different. But based on what I know about that student and what their background is, that's a huge asset to actually know a student walking in the door. How did this environment create a better opportunity for you to do this? You know, was it successful and was it what can be changed to make it better? Our, our goal setting out was, was making sure that we could support students and recover some credits. Um, summer Academy is bigger than that, too. There, there's another half of Summer Academy that is our get-ahead students that are our Simon Tech and our students that are trying to get some math credits and starting in geometry. And um, we have that whole group, which was our initial courses, which was a lot of ingenuity work. And then we have a whole group that is our credit recovery that are, are ones that struggle, that, that have a different story usually as well. And so we're trying to support those students. So if we do our baseline comparison, that 50% of online courses are successful or our graduation rate looks like that, 
a given summer academy, we have success rates of around 85% for our courses. It's much, much higher than a normal online program. And a big part of that is because we have teachers that support that. This year, our, our data was very comparable. What we're looking at is we would have our success rate of probably around 75%, a little bit lower than, than most years for us. But if I scrub some data and I pull courses that didn't get started, we're right in that 85% again. Um, what happened was students took more courses on because it was free. It was a grant that they were offered. There was there was no loss for, for missing a course. And so we, we were okay with that. Take, take two courses, finish one. If, if two doesn't happen, that's okay. So our numbers are, are very similar in terms of percentage, but we, we scaled up to be twice as large. So we, we doubled our number of credits with our same success rate. And so this, this is scalable. We, we can do this at a larger, larger rate when needed. And now the goal is to scale it back down because we hopefully don't need it as, as much as years go on. So I wanted to bring something up that earlier you mentioned, Larry, um, Mitch and I, um, but there were so many other people involved in this, in this program and getting this work done. And I hope I'm going to cover everybody here, but I just wanted to just give you a sense of who all was involved in, in this work. And it's teachers like Brett Clark and Kate Hansen and Chelsea Grisinger, Emily Howard, Emily Worm, Jeff Van Dalsen, Jessica Carruthers, uh, Kate, Caitlin Stark, Kathy Polis, Matt Gorman, Paige Katerier, Paige Paul, uh, Rachel Noller, uh, Sarah Sheridan, Susan Ross Kelly. And then we had, um, of course, Pat Bowen, who was the administrative assistant that helped out. And uh, Andy Phillips. Um, he's a director of curriculum. Director, yeah. So he, he's over me, making sure that what I'm sure. doing is actually. I do believe yeah, I ter the with. term I use is grand poobah of pedagogy. I, right. I didn't know how to describe it. That's a good term. Within this course. That was, I was what I was struggling for. But <laughs> yeah, all those people had a hand in, in creating this. And that's a lot of people with an intent to make things better for these kids. And um, it's it was a really powerful group that got a lot of really great work done. Without them, this doesn't exist. Right. Um, especially glad you mentioned Pat Bowen because she runs everything in the background. She's like uh, our registrar and our counselor and our front office person. Just does does it all. And then I show up to to make sure that we have things checked off and I have signatures on stuff. But what we we created then is we had this environment where we had this big professional development where we can all train together and, and do a new software. And then those students are or those those teachers are coming from multiple sites. So we have East Middle and we have West Senior High, and we have Central High School, and now they're going back to their sites and talking about how do we use Brightspace and how do we use online programs, and they have that skill set now. So when we start pushing our online classes back to the school sites that happened this year, we now have a whole group of teachers that can train other teachers, and that's yep. a huge asset that we have now. It's a nice side effect to have where you have somebody like Paige Paul, who is sort of our on-site expert. Uh, during Summer Academy, helping a lot of people um, uh, to develop their skills in Brightspace. And I was there too and helping too. But Paige did a lot Dave of Dave was definitely there too. <laughs> yeah. Paige, Paige was a real leader in that regard. And, and now we got those people a little bit up to speed. And then they can, like uh, Mitch said, take that back and be a model for others. How much easier was it to collaborate now that everybody's so comfortable with that online environment? Was that a, was that a, an asset to you guys as far as being able to meet without actually necessarily meeting in person? Was that a useful thing or did you actually have the opportunity to get together and 
and actually have the coffee and donuts without <laughs> having we, your we own both. coffee and donuts. There's a wonderful farmer's market on the way way here that we'd pick up some some extras on Wednesdays and share that with our group and have a conversation and talk about curriculum. But we also had plenty that were remote. They were watching kids. And so they would jump on for a uh, Google Meet meeting and we'd be able to collaborate that way and then jump back off and and do with this in the online world. So we, we've gained a lot of new skills and technology. Any, any teacher will tell you this over the last year that we our learning curve has been incredible. Um, yeah. We're much more comfortable with, with an online world and doing meetings and going, why would I travel for an hour when I can just, just do it from here? Right. Um, so those those pieces are in place. So we, we have more flexibility, but we also value the face to face time. We also value that conversation that we're having. We value the body language and, and knowing what the other person's thinking, because someone can tell me yes. And I moving two different things based on what I'm looking at. We all we all know that idea. So, yes, we are using those tools and it has been a great tool to have. Education is all about growth. So what are we taking from this year and uh, working into next year? So one thing I think there is is what what should we fix? What should we change? What should we be improving on? Um, I like the idea of continuous improvement. It's really helpful to think through that. A big thing we learned last last year in the summer was getting the right fit of student. Not all students are going to do well online, and we do have indicators of that. So finding those right fit of, do they have those higher functioning uh, executive skills? Can they stay organized? Have they been successful in past classes? Can they work independently? Those pieces should be in place, and that should be a criteria to it. We didn't have that option during a pandemic. It was simply, if you want to be online, health and safety was over what we think was the best choice educationally. Then some of just streamlined customer service. With a new system comes a lot of hiccups. New technology, how do we work this in a network? How do we link that up with PowerSchool? How do we communicate to parents? And a lot of parents felt like they were signing up for something they didn't know what they were signing up for. Um, so having that piece of like streamlining the customer service that that information is out there that we have as many avenues as we can and we're redundant about it because we can put it on a website, but it doesn't mean anybody read it. Um, and when we free up some of those those systems, now I have the time where our teachers have the time to have a conversation with a parent and going, this is what you're signing up for, here's the expectations, here's what um, should be in place before we start this thing. And then just, just overall ideas, what we learned from this, I would say students are resilient, that they're gonna be okay, that this isn't an end all be all. They really are great to work with, but they do need equitable support. There are students that didn't have online access, they didn't have the computers, they didn't have the, the parent support and that's where, as educators, we jump in and go, well, let's let's help that along. Let's start walking with you on this process. And, that's, and I saw in professional development that I love getting teachers in a room to talk about a problem that, that needs solving and give them the resources to go ahead and do it. Um, we should do a lot of that. Anything that you want to add there, Mitch? Thank you. I appreciate being on here. Oh, was a, when we first started planning this, I knew I wanted to have you on to talk about this summer because it was a it was a powerful thing that that was accomplished. I think it's a feather in the cap of TCAPs, and I think you did a, some great work getting this organized and getting it done and helping the people who participated. That big long list of people wouldn't have been able to do it if we didn't have somebody leading the charge. And so I always up. push it towards the the team of people we we had, and that's not just some cliche. Like we have an incredible group of teachers at TCAPs. Yep. We have incredible de devotion. We had uh, a pandemic that. We had this huge learning curve and we were supporting the students and making phone calls at eight o'clock at night to make sure they would jump on to get some help. And at the end of this, I asked, do you want to write a course? And they said, yes. I didn't have to convince them. I didn't have to like 
twist arms. Like it was just like, if that, is that good for students? Yeah, I'll do that then. And that's something to really just be, I'm honored to be in the same room as these teachers. That is absolutely amazing. I'm actually inspired by that because I know towards the end of last year, a lot of people were really suffering a little bit mentally. Uh, a lot of the teachers, a lot of the support staff were suffering mentally, um, you know, just sheer exhaustion. And the fact that they were willing to, under those circumstances, put the student first, it, it, it makes me very hopeful. Yeah. Hey, uh, David, do you have a tech tool of the week? You know what? I'll give you this. For our TCAPS teachers that are using the new TCAPS cloud, if you right-click on one of those icons, you can have it say set to launch. And as soon as you open the cloud, it'll launch that application for you. And you won't have to click the button. That's a cool tool. It's a very, <laughs> very small little thing, but I discovered it and I love it. So in closing, follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter at TCAPS Loop. At Technologist. Uh, subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Downcast, Overcast, the Google Play Store, Spotify, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Sure, whatever we covered is everything. <laughs>